Thank you guys uh, very much uh, for leading us in worship. Um, thank you everyone for being here this morning. Um, as we continue to worship the Lord now through the reading of his word and, and preaching of the gospel, I would ask that you turn to Matthew chapter 5 uh, if you have a Bible. And um, we're going to continue with the Sermon on the Mount uh, today and uh, continuing to see how Jesus uh, goes beyond just the external uh, religious do's and do-nots of behavior, but rather gets to the heart of the issue, uh, the heart of, of change in light of the gospel. So um, let me pray, and we'll, we'll look at Matthew chapter 5 today. Father God in heaven, thank you that you are a good and glorious God who has shown your grace to your people throughout all generations. And Lord, now I ask that you would uh, work in our hearts and minds this morning as your people. God, that you would uh, by your spirit, open our minds to understand your scripture, open our hearts to receive the good news of the gospel. Uh, Lord, that you would convict us of sin and brokenness and our, our deep need for you. Lord, I pray that you would give us humility and honesty to um, confront our own brokenness and confront our own sin and struggles. And, and God, that you would give us the confidence that comes in Christ Jesus that we can, we can run to you in our uh, need and Lord, that by your spirit you would change us and grow us to be more like your son, Jesus. i got to ask that you would do this for the glory of your name and the good of your people, and that the advancement of the gospel would take place from our lives, even out to the nations. We ask in Jesus' good and holy name. Amen. Amen. As we continue in Matthew chapter 5, uh, let's start at verse 27. And Jesus says this, You have heard it said, you shall not commit adultery. But I say to you that everyone who looks at a woman with lustful intent has already committed adultery with her in his heart. If your right eye causes you to sin, tear it out and throw it away. For it is better that you lose one of your members than that your whole body be thrown into hell. And if your right hand causes you to sin, cut it off and throw it away. For it is better that you lose one of your members than your whole body go into hell. This is God's word for us. Friends, the good news of the gospel is that Jesus changes us from the inside out. And this is such good news for us because we cannot do that on our own, no matter how hard we try to change from the outside in. As we're seeing today, continuing in the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus is teaching, he's not only um, teaching the good news of the gospel, but he goes on to show what that looks like. If you track the ministry of Jesus, he, he connects the dots from the Old Testament law and then unpacks it uh, in, in the gospel of his preaching and teaching and then goes on to display what that good news looks like as his kingdom breaks in uh, to earth here. And so last week we looked at the, the topic of anger as Jesus was addressing the human heart and the issue of anger. You see, there were religious people that were attending to, uh, that were listening to Jesus' teaching and, and, and people who were familiar with religious teaching that says, hey, you know, uh, let's look at the Ten Commandments. And two of them being, one of them being do not, do not murder. Right? And so last week we looked at how Jesus said, hey, you've heard it said, do not murder, but, I, but I'm telling you that if you even have anger and, and, and a malicious intent toward a human being, another human being, that's the same as committing murder. You've already committed murder in your heart. And so Jesus addresses the topic of anger by saying it's not enough to say, well, I didn't kill the guy, but in my heart I have malicious intent toward him. See, that, that displays the sin and brokenness and our need for Christ. And in the same way, he takes it a step further in verse 27, you have heard it said that you shall not commit adultery. 
It's one of the Ten Commandments. We want to be honoring to God. We want to be honoring to our spouse. We want to be sexually pure. And Jesus says, you've heard it said, you shall not commit adultery, verse 28. But I say to you that everyone who looks at a woman with lustful intent has already committed adultery with her in his heart. So again, Jesus goes beyond the external and takes it to the issue of the heart. This is the nature of the gospel. This is the nature of Christ's kingdom. And there's good news for us today. And I want us to be honest about a few things this morning. I want, there's something here for all of us, no matter if you are a man or a woman, a boy or a girl. It doesn't matter if you are single, married, uh, divorced. Um, There is something here for all of us to confront in our own hearts and for Jesus to do in our hearts this morning. I want us to look not only at the outward appearance and action and limit it to that because that's what religion tells you to do. Is let's just, as long as you do the right thing and don't do the wrong thing, you're good. And that's how people were in Jesus' day sitting, listening to his teaching saying, well, I've never committed adultery, so what's the big deal? And Jesus says, oh, uh, how, how good for you. If you even look at a woman with lustful intent, you've committed adultery with her in your heart. And so I want us to approach it the same way today and ask God to reveal to us the areas of our heart where maybe uh, behavioral-wise we've not done that bad thing, but in our hearts we've committed that same sin. And I will throw this out there as well. If this is an area that you have physically been affected by or participated in, there is hope and restoration in Christ, okay? And if this is an area where you've not physically done this in your heart, I'm willing to bet you've had lustful intent at some point, and there is hope and restoration for us as well, okay? So I want us to look at our motivations and intentions of our heart. What is your deepest longing and desire, and how does that plot out the behavior that follows? So I'm going to look at four things about lust, and then look at what the gospel uh, remedy is for that. The first is this, is that lust is disobedience to God's command. That that's first and foremost. Lust is disobedience to God's command. Jesus says, in quoting the um, Old Testament in the Ten Commandments, he says, you shall not commit adultery. And then he equates lust to that. But I say to you, everyone who looks at a woman with lustful intent has already committed adultery with her in his heart. So, so first and foremost, lust is disobeying God's command to not commit adultery. If you look at someone with lustful intent, you are breaking a command of God. Also in the Ten Commandments, Exodus twenty seventeen says this, you shall not covet. You shall not covet your neighbor's house. You shall not covet your neighbor's wife or his male servant, or his female servant, or his ox, or his donkey, or anything that is your neighbor's. Notice how in the Old Testament scriptures, the commandment to not covet is is also equated to coveting somebody's wife. That is the nature of lust, is wanting someone who is not yours. Lust is disobedience to God's command. So if you are single, if you're a single man and you're attracted to a single woman and you are lusting after her, if you are not married to her, 
That is breaking God's command. If you are a woman who is attracted to a man and he is not your husband and you are entertaining in your mind something that you should not be entertaining, that is breaking God's command. If you are married and you are entertaining thoughts to someone who is not your spouse, that is breaking God's command. Even if you do not physically participate in that activity in your mind, if you have your heart's intention and motivation on someone else, you are breaking God's command. But secondly, I want us to see this. Lust is not only disobedience to God's command, but lust reveals lack of trust in God's provision. I remember as a single man really wanting to be married and thinking, well, what, is God going to provide a wife for me? And as a single man, and I know many of you here, guys probably struggle with lust. It's very common. Maybe it seems to be more common for men, but we're going to talk about it for women too in a second. But I know as a single man, it was very difficult to say, well, what, what if I never get married? Like I was having this longing and desire to have a connection with a female counterpart, and that can lead us into some very dangerous areas, not only physically, but in our hearts and in our minds and in our intentions of how we treat other people. It's a lack of trust that God will provide for you the spouse that you want. Jesus says this in Matthew 26, quoting Deuteronomy 6. He says, You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. This is the great and first commandment. Our heart's longing, our heart's intentions, our heart's desire should be uh, a longing and a desire after God first and foremost to love him. And when we lust, we are neglecting to trust his provision that he is our all in all, that he is our heart's greatest desire, that he fulfills our greatest desire. And so anytime you are after someone more than you are after God, That is the essence of lust as well. Sometimes lust can mean you are attracted to someone who is not your spouse. But I want to look at it this way as well. So for gentlemen, I know a common struggle is, is sexual lust that can play out in areas of pornography. And women, lust can affect you as well. So many times it's common to maybe covet something or someone that's not yours, maybe not even sexually. Maybe you are not married and you just want to have a male uh, friendship, a counterpart, maybe someone who you can connect with. Maybe you are married and you find yourself comparing your husband to somebody who's not your husband, saying, I wish my husband looked more like that guy. I wish my husband had that kind of job. I wish my husband was that kind of listener. I wish my husband was that kind of relational person. You fall into the same trap that men do to say, I wish my wife looked like that. I wish my wife talked to me like that. I wish my wife treated me that way. And at the end of the day, our hearts can be entertained not trusting that God has given you the spouse that he has given you. If you're single, he's not yet given you the spouse that he has for you. So first and foremost, lust is disobedience towards, toward God's command. Secondly, lust is not trusting how God has provided for you and when he has provided and who he has provided for you in his time. 
What is it or who is it in your life that you think, if I had that, I would be happy? If I had that woman, I would be happy. If I had that guy, I would be happy. If my husband was more like that guy, I'd be happy. If my wife was more like that lady, I would be happy. That, my friends, is the essence of lust. How is it affecting you? What is your heart's desire? What is your heart's intention? Third, lust reveals a lack of trust for your, uh, sorry, a lack of care for your fellow brothers and sisters in Christ. Do you realize that when you have your heart's intention set on someone who is not your spouse, you are not caring for that person? You're not caring for yourself, you're not guarding your own heart, but you're also not caring for that person. If that person is a Christian, Scripture says we're to treat older women as uh, mom figures and we're to treat younger women as sisters in Christ. So gentlemen, if you are flirting with someone who is not your wife, if you're single or married, if you're being overly flirtatious or lusting after someone who is not your wife, you are not treating that young lady or older woman as you should according to Scripture. Trust reveals a lack of care for your fellow brothers and sisters in Christ. Marriage is a unique and exclusive relationship that mirrors what the way Christ is rescuing his church. If you look in Ephesians 5, you see this beautiful portrait of Christ and the church. This goes back to Genesis 1 and all throughout the Old Testament where God was the bridegroom and Israel was his bride. So marriage is a unique and exclusive relationship and lust can play out in a way that not only is disobedient to God's commands and Uh, revealing lack of trust in God's provision, but is also revealing a lack of care for your fellow brothers and sisters in Christ. Fourth, lust reveals a lack of care for non-Christians. This is a, a missional component here. So we have obedience and disobedience. We have trust and mistrust in God's provision. We have care or lack of care for your brothers and sisters in Christ and community. And fourth, lust reveals a lack of care for non-Christians. Gentlemen, if you go out to eat at a restaurant or you're hanging out at a bar or you're somewhere where there are people who are not Christians and you are more concerned about someone's appearance and what you can get from them rather than sharing the gospel with them, you are lusting because you are caring for your own physical desire and entertainment rather than you are that person's salvation. Lust reveals a lack of care for non-Christians and disregarding the spiritual physical and emotional well-being of that person if you're a single person just just don't do this missionary dating thing you guys familiar with that term there's a lot of married folk in here so i know it's you know it's very common to as a christian to justify dating a non-christian well they believe in god or their parents go to church in hopes that you can maybe win them over to the faith or something by dating them but really at the end of the day lust reveals a disregard for the spiritual physical and emotional well-being it's a devaluing of the gospel and so those are four just observations about the bad news of lust. And I want us to pause for a moment and just be honest in your heart and mind. And even let's pray that right now the Holy Spirit will bring to mind the ways that lust is affecting you. Is there someone in your life that you were thinking about right now when I say the word lust? Is it a coworker you're attracted to? Is it someone at your school who's not your spouse? You're like, I just, we just have a connection. We're just friends. But, you know, I can talk to him in a way that my husband and I can't talk. Or I I, I just feel more encouraged from her than I do my wife. 
or maybe she looks the way I wish my wife did, or he has the kind of leadership skills that I wish my husband did. Friends, that's lust, and it can affect every single one of us, whether you are married or single, male or female, young or old, in the working world, in the home, at school, in your neighborhood, even in this church. So right now, I want us to be honest. What is your heart's desire and intention? In what ways are you disobeying God's commands to not lust? In what ways are you distrusting God's provision by looking outside of who God has given you? In what ways are you disregarding care for your fellow brothers and sisters in Christ and disregarding care for non-Christians by lusting? It's serious stuff here. And I want us to be honest with our own hearts. Jesus says, you have heard it said that you shall not commit adultery. But I say to you that everyone who looks at a woman with lustful intent has already committed adultery with her in his heart. So what is the remedy? What, what are we to do in order to obey God, to trust him, to care for our fellow brothers and sisters and to care for non-Christians by not lusting, by not committing adultery in our hearts? What are we to do? What is the gospel remedy? Let me tell you what it is not. Let's read this and then I'll tell you what it's not. (laughs) If your right eye causes you to sin, tear it out and throw it away. It is better to lose one of your members than your whole body be thrown into hell. If your right hand causes you to sin, cut it off and throw it away, for it is better that you lose one of your members than your whole body go into hell. The gospel remedy is not literally ripping out your eyeball and chopping off your hand. If you've never heard this scripture before, you may be thinking, whoa, this church is kind of extreme, not sure I want to come back here. Funny story, it's not really funny, but I like history, I like theology. So in the 4th century, there was a theologian named Origen who had some interesting theological contributions. One that I disagree with was that he made himself a eunuch. He, he did. You can look it up on the interwebs. You can get some good theological books. This guy was uh, very theological, had some good contributions to the faith, some other contributions to the faith that were not great. One of them being that he said, I don't want to lust anymore, so I'm just going to make myself a eunuch. Don't do that, gentlemen. In case I need to tell you, that's not really informed by the gospel, and that does not address the human heart. You could rip out your eyeball, chop off your hand, eunuch-size yourself. (laughs) That will not remedy the human heart. You could be blind and still lust. You could be handless and still commit physical sins. You can be a eunuch and still have heart issues. What is the gospel remedy? When Jesus says, if your right eye causes you to sin, tear it out. If your hand causes you to sin, chop it off. Do you think Jesus is saying to do physical things like that? It's a very complicated set of verses, and I'll tell you the best that I can uh, of how I think Jesus was. Jesus was teaching in such a way to reveal the extreme effects of lust and sin, the sin of lust. He was 
also teaching the extreme measures in which we are to go to. And he's teaching for a religious person. A religious person is saying, I've not committed adultery. I don't do physical things. And Jesus says, yeah, but your heart is sinful. And so the, the religious person wants to say, well, in my own strength, I can rip out my eye and then I won't look at things I shouldn't look at. In my own strength, I can, I can do this. I can chop this off myself. And in my own religion, in my own physical power, I can save myself. That's what a religious person would say in looking at that. And I want to tell you, we, that will not remedy your heart. I think that's why Jesus is saying that. He's saying, I want you to see the extremes you would have to go to still would not save you. That's why we need Jesus. That's why we have to have Jesus to rescue us. Because even ripping out our eyes, chopping off our hands, and making ourselves eunuchs, we would still have broken, wicked, dark, sinful hearts in need of rescue. That's why Jesus says that. I think he also says, says that to show what kind of uh, vigilance we need in pursuing holiness and righteousness, what kind of vigilance we need in order to kill the sins and things that get in the way between our relationship with God and each other. That's what he's saying there. Don't chop off anything, anybody. Don't, don't poke anything out. We don't want to see a bunch of cyclopses coming here next week. We, we love y'all. Crickets chirping. The psalmist says in a prayer, Create in me a clean heart, O God. Renew a right spirit within me. Restore to me the joy of my salvation. In John 3, Jesus is talking to a religious leader named Nicodemus and talks about, you must be born again. Paul writes in 2 Corinthians 5 about Jesus making us a new creation. The old is past, the new has come. In Christ alone is our salvation. In Christ alone is our rescue. In Christ alone is our renewal. In Christ alone do we find obedience to God's command. In in Christ alone do we have trust in God's provision. In Christ alone do we have care for brothers and sisters in Christ. In Christ alone do we have care for non-Christians. In Christ alone can our sinful broken hearts be dealt with in the issue of lust and every other area. That's good news for us. It would be not, I mean, This should show us the beauty of the gospel, that God would not command you to mutilate your body in order to be acceptable to him. That God would not require you to poke out your eye and chop off your hand in order to be acceptable to him. It's showing the extreme of who Christ is and what he's done, that he would take that sin on himself and die the death in your place. So you don't have to gouge out your eye and chop off your hand. That Jesus is teaching not only to say this is how life should be, but he's also teaching in the Sermon on the Mount to say this is how life is in my kingdom. Jesus is saying this is how life is now and will be for eternity if you submit to my kingship. Jesus is saying this is how life will be and this is how I am making it possible. That's what the Sermon on the Mount is. It's not a a new set of rules. It's not a new set of laws. It's not a new set of anything. He's, he's connecting the dots to the Old Testament, saying this is, this is how life should be, and, and look at how people have failed. Look at the, you know, the Ten Commandments. Don't murder, but if you're angry, you're, if you have malicious anger, that's just as bad as murdering. God's people have broken that all the way up to the present day. Jesus says, hey, don't, don't commit adultery, but hey, if you have lustful intent, that's just as bad as that. 
People have broken that all the way up until right now. And Jesus is saying, you want to be in my kingdom, you have to have the, this is what you would have to do if it weren't for me. Gouge out your eyes, chop off your hand. It'd be better to to go into heaven handless and eyeless than to go to hell and burn. But thanks be to Christ that he rescues us from Satan, sin, and death by living a perfect life that we should live. Jesus never lusted. Do you know that? Jesus, Jesus never committed that sin. There was temptation there. Jesus has dealt, Scripture tells us that Jesus has faced every temptation that is common to man. Every temptation that you and I face, Jesus faced that temptation, but he did, he did not fail in it. So Jesus did not lust. Jesus did not commit adultery in his heart, but he dealt with it on our behalf. He lived the perfect life we should live. He died a death as our substitute, and that is good news for us. You with me? Nobody chop and poke stuff. So here, I want us to have a takeaway. Because the gospel of grace is not just, well, isn't that good news? Let's go get some, some, some lunch. There's, there's a physical, active takeaway. How are we to live in light of this good news? The good news is that in Christ, we are rescued from Satan, sin, and death. The good news is that in Christ, we don't have to chop off our hands and poke out our eyes. The good news is that in Christ, we can have new, restored hearts with new, restored motivations, with new, restored character, with renewed minds, with a new way of living in Christ's kingdom because he is the king of his kingdom. He makes it possible for us to be in his kingdom because he is a loving, good, and gracious, perfect king, and he brings us into this kingdom so we can live like this. So what does that mean now? Well, what do we do between now and eternity? There's some physical, practical things I want us to do in light of the gospel. Not so that we can be saved, but because we're saved in Christ, because we're part of the kingdom, I want us to address this because, man, I, I tell you, last week and this week are very convicting to me personally because the biggest struggle for most men that I talk to and struggles for me personally are anger and lust. I'm not a woman, so I don't know, but I've seen some angry women. I'm not talking about my wife and daughters. I'm just saying they, angry women exist. I have heard how lust can uh, manifest in the life of a woman maybe differently than the life of a man, sometimes in the same way as the life of a man. I'm aware of women who struggle with pornography issues. I'm aware of women who struggle with coveting issues, saying, I wish my husband looked like that or acted like that or had that skill set or leadership style or I wish my husband was a better listener like that lady's husband. I get how lust affects everybody differently, but here's, here's what I want us to know. I want us, anger and lust are, go together here. I mean, I, I almost taught this as one thing, but I'm long-winded and we'd be here forever. Anger and lust, there's, there's a reason Matthew's gospel has these two connected. They're very devastating And we're going to continue in the next couple of weeks looking at, at divorce and looking at retaliation and disagreements and stuff like that. We're going to see how anger and lust affects all of those things. When you, it's because it's a, it's a devaluing of a human being. It's an objectifying of a human being. That's what lust is. It's saying, your value to me is what I get from you rather than how God has made you. That's what lust is. Lust is saying, your value on this earth is what you look like and what I can get out of you. 
rather than how God has made you and who God has made you to be. And so it's important that you and I as believers would attack the lust in our own hearts with the vigilance of eye-poking and hand-chopping off. That's what Jesus is getting at here. Don't physically do that, but we need to attack it in our own hearts, lest it rule over us and master us and cause great division in our marriages and friendships and community of faith together and and disgrace the gospel. I mean, we we really need to. So I I just want to commend to you a book that I have found super, super helpful in so many areas. It's a book by a guy named Tim Chester called You Can Change. I love this book because it's not a practical how to change. Like I, I first read the title and thought, what is that? It's how the gospel changes us and practically how we respond to the gospel and change. There's so much gospel, so much grace in this book, but some very practical things. And I will be just very, very, I'm just going to be so honest with you because I have nothing to lose at this point. Let's just be honest. Um, I have a short fuse. Very irritable human being. You probably, but Jeremy, no, you're so patient. So God says, here's four kids. I'm like, oh, goodness. Here's some stress. And a couple years ago, um, a friend recommended this book and just said, look, man, you, you know, you have a little temper. I'm not, I'm not a violent temper person. I'm just, a, I can say some just very not kind things and very hurtful things and very shameful things. Don't ask my children, but they could tell you some things I've said. And uh, I'm ashamed of those things. And I guess it was probably three or four years ago, a friend of mine just said, Jeremy, I love you and um, you know you're your language is a little loose. And rather than, and this, is, this was so helpful to me, my friend said, rather than, a, than deal with your language, why don't, we, why don't we deal with your heart? Like what in your heart is prompting you to be so angry that you would be so sarcastic and hurtful with what comes out of your mouth? And I'd never thought about that because I was like, oh, I can stop cussing, that's easy. But my heart still needed to be massaged with the gospel. So a friend of mine recommended this book to me. It would be helpful to you if you have anger issues. It would be helpful to you if you have trust issues. It would be helpful to you if you have lust issues, if you have pornography issues or financial issues, whatever issues you have, this would be a good tool for you. I just can't stress to you. You Can Change by Tim Chester. Here are some things that have helped me personally to deal with my... uh, discontent and heart anger issues that have come out in my language and also would be helpful in the area of lust. First is this. Tim Chester says this. First, repent and believe in the gospel. That's the first thing. The first thing is not saying, I have a porn issue, let me set my computer on fire. That's not going to solve your porn issue. That's not going to address your heart. Saying, well, I'm just not going to go, I'm just going to always walk around with blinders on so I won't see people that I may lust. That's not going to address your heart. We're going to get to that. There's a role for that. But first, the first thing to do is to repent. That means to turn from and to turn to Jesus. It means to turn from your sin, to turn to Jesus. To say, Jesus, I have a lust issue. I am repenting of my lust. 
and I am turning to you, Jesus. I'm believing, I'm trusting who you are and what you said you will do. That is good news. That is repenting and believing. I do it every day. I have to repent of failing to trust God in certain areas, whether it be finances or lust or anger or whatever. I have to say, God, I'm repenting of this sin and brokenness, and I'm trusting you. I'm turning to you. So repent and believe the gospel. Believe that Jesus can and will rescue you, that the first thing to do is not chop your hand off. The first thing to do is to repent of your sin and believe the gospel. But secondly, so let me just ask you that. What do you need to repent of? Are you here today and you, were, you have lust issues in your heart? Maybe it's sexual lust. You were sexually lusting after one person or uh, somebody you're objectifying women through pornography or objectifying men through pornography. Are you objectifying people through pornography? Do you have lust issues saying, I wish my spouse was like this instead of the spouse? I don't like the spouse I have, Jesus. I wish my spouse looked like that. That's lust. Or I wish my spouse talked to me like that or had that kind of leadership skill set or that job or that bank account. That's all lust. Do you need to repent of that? Turn from that lie that you are believing and turn to Jesus and believe in the gospel. So what area do you need to repent of? Secondly, um, the second step that Tim Chester says is to come up with strategies that reinforce obedience. Sometimes we go to that first, but that's not what we're to do. If you try to put strategies in your life to help you obey and you do it without the gospel, that's being religious and that's not being helpful. That's what people do when they chop off hands and poke out eyes is they say, well, let me just go do that. So first, repent and believe. Secondly, after you repent and believe the gospel, that's what fuels steps toward obedience. And so put strategies to reinforce obedience. This is the point in which you may need to get rid of your internet service. Or maybe you do need to take a sledgehammer to your computer. I don't know. Maybe you need to change seats at your school. If you're sitting next to somebody, you shouldn't be. Maybe you need to, maybe you need to change jobs. I'm serious. If you are working somewhere and you have an inappropriate relationship with somebody, even if it's not physical and sexual, if you are flirting with somebody who's not your spouse and it's, it's lusting and it's taking you that, down that road, get a different job. Quit your job. That's... It'd be better to quit your job than to chop off your hand and poke out your eye, right? Get a different job if that's what you have to do. Re, uh, strategies to reinforce obedience means to, to put up barriers to what's causing you to stumble. But also, putting healthy things in place to reinforce that obedience. That means... Uh, putting healthy rhythms in place of reading the scripture, of worship and prayer time personally. That means avoiding certain places, certain times of day. I'll tell you this, just it is easy to fall into sin when you're tired. As a person who has uh, loose lips and anger issues, if I, get, if I don't get a lot of sleep, all kind of words will come out of my mouth before I even know it. I'll just be like, hey guys, hey, whoa, whoa. 
So if I'm really, if you want to see something funny, get me really, really, really tired. And then roll cameras and you'll have all kind of scandalous material. Sound bites. So get better sleep. Don't stay up at 2 a.m. surfing the internet. Don't get on Facebook when you're tired and tempted to chat with somebody you shouldn't chat with or whatever. Those are just examples. So first, repent and believe. Second, get strategies to reinforce obedience. And third, get support. Support. That means believers. Get believers in your life. Be a part of a church. Be a part of a missional community. Be a part of a DNA group that can reinforce what you were going through. Maybe you need to get um, professional counseling. That's a good resource God has, has blessed his people with. Even in this city, there's professional counseling resources available to you. If you have lust issues, porn issues, anger issues, drug issues, whatever brokenness looks like, we'll keep it at lust since that's the topic of today. If there's a desire in your heart towards someone and it's inappropriate, there are resources for you. You're at church today, so there are believers here to support. So I want to ask you this. What areas do you need to repent and what ways do you need to believe the gospel? What strategies do you need to put in place? What do you need to take away out of your life? What do you need to put in there? What support do you need to get? Talk to somebody here. Talk to one of the missional community leaders or one of the elders or any of the believers here that you know and say, look, brother, I just need some support in my life. I'm breaking stuff. You can say, brother, I am struggling with lust, I'm struggling with flirting with somebody at my office, I'm whatever. Imagine the impact of the gospel on your personal life if you were to repent, believe, and obey in light of the gospel. Imagine the impact it would have on this church. Imagine the impact it would have on this city. Uh, We'll just stop there for now. And um, there's a couple ways that we can respond. I want you to... um, Think about the scripture, meditate on the scripture, and see it through the lens of the good news of the gospel. See that our obedience comes because of Christ's obedience. And see that we are renewed because of who Jesus is and what he's done. That this kingdom that he is in is not something we attain in our own goodness and lack of badness, but rather it's something we are invited into as a gift of grace because uh, God is a loving father who loves you And in Christ, you are forgiven. If you are here today and you have lust issues and porn issues, if they are just light, like, oh, it's not that big of a deal, or if it's like really extreme, run to Jesus with all vigilance. If you have physically committed adultery, there is forgiveness in Christ for you. If you have not physically, but you have in your heart, there is forgiveness in Christ for you. And uh, that's the good news I want us to know and take away this morning. There'll be a few ways for us to respond. Before you, you'll see uh, wine and juice and bread to represent. The bread is a body of, represents the body of Christ. Um, we invite you to come if you're a believer and tear off a piece of it and dip it in the wine or the juice that represents the blood of Christ in which we have forgiveness of sin. If you're a believer, we invite you to come down these aisles, participate in that as an act of worship. It's a way for us to worship the Lord, but also a way for us to proclaim the gospel over one another. Uh, if you're not a believer, we ask that you just stay where you are and you can respond.
respond in some other ways by meditating on the scripture that you've heard today. Look at it. You can respond by um, worshiping through singing as the worship team leads us. Um, Also in the back, there will be a few folks with orange lanyards um, that will be glad to pray for you. If you want to know Christ for the first time, they will help walk that through. If you just want someone to pray over you because of your sin struggles, this is a safe place for us to be honest with that. We, we, want, to, we're, we want to look to Christ together. And so um, you can step to the back, and they will be glad to um, pray with you in that area. Um, let me pray as we have a time of response. Father God, thank you for... Uh, your goodness to your people. And Lord, I ask uh, that even now you would stir up our hearts and minds to you. God, I pray that uh, your Holy Spirit would convict us of our sin. God, that we would be honest of specifically today the areas of, of lust. God, the discontent we have in our heart. Uh, Lord, the ways that we... Um, the ways that we neglect your provision the ways that we neglect your goodness, the ways that we disrespect fellow brothers and sisters in Christ and disregard non-Christians through the sin of lust. God, I pray that you would convict us of that. Uh, Lord, if it is uh, physical or sexual or pornographic, or Lord, if it is uh, discontent even with a connection or relationship or communication style, Lord, I pray that you would convict us of that discontent within our heart. And God, that we would repent of that sin and that we would believe the gospel, Jesus, that you are our savior, our salvation, our protector, our provider. God, that you rescue us and draw us into your kingdom, that you make us new, you give us new hearts, that you restore the joy of our salvation, that you provide our every need. And Lord, that we would not be satisfied with the lie of lust, but Christ, that we would only be satisfied in you. And so, Lord, I pray that you would, by your spirit, just instill that grace into our hearts and minds. God, I pray that you would give us a community of faith to reinforce obedience. Uh, God, that we, we would have strategies in place to guard us and protect us and to protect each other. Um, but God, that we would be uh, supported in the community of faith, that fellow brothers and sisters, we could walk alongside of each other, uh, looking to Christ every step of the way. Lord, I pray that you would uh, rip away any religious pretension. God, rip it away. May we be honest, recklessly honest with who we are and our deep need for you. And Jesus, that you would show up in overwhelming waves of grace. And just splash it upon us, Lord. God, I don't want us to be uh, religious do-gooders, but Jesus, I would love for us to be humble, joyful recipients of your grace and that we would steward that well to each other and to the lost world that desperately needs you. God, we pray that you would use this time in a way that honors you, brings us joy, and stewards the gospel to the nations. We ask in Christ's holy name. Amen. Amen.